Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, welcome to Ida, where we address how you can ideate, decide, act on the business topics we talk about in each episode and apply them to your own startup. My name is Varika Pinnam. And I'm Ganika Pinnam. At Ida, we connect female entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, and resources to help grow their business. In today's episode, we have Alex Friedman, founder of Talk Howdy and Techstars Austin Program Manager. And I discovered Alex through LinkedIn because she has this really inspiring story of her first patented product called Polish Pal that we hope all of you will enjoy hearing about. So thank you so much, Alex, for being on our show today. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And why don't we start with just the beginning of your journey? I know you've had quite a lot of transitions in your career path and ups and downs in entrepreneurship even. So tell me more about Polish Pal and how that whole thing played out. Yeah. Um, so I came up with Polish Pal when I was, geez, what was I? So I was never really good in school. Um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always wanted to start my own businesses, did when I was younger. And uh, it actually took me six years to get through college. Funny story there. Um, my, I think it was my fourth year of college, I came up with the idea for Polish Pal, which was a little silicone holder that slid onto your hands. Um, and it had a cup that sat on top of your hands that fit any size nail polish bottle. So you could paint your nails anywhere without a flat surface. So you could paint your nails on your bed, on your couch, pretty much wherever your heart desired. And the idea for this came up from, from pretty much just seeing all of my friends uh, constantly spilling their nail polishes. So I remember one day I went over to one of my friends and she had a comforter that she was throwing away because she spilled nail polish all over it. The next week I went over to another one of my friends and she had a giant stain on her carpet and she was freaking out. She wasn't going to get the security deposit back. And I started thinking to myself that there has to be a better way to all of this and uh, sat in my room. I got a bucket of clay and I made my first prototype out of clay and magnets and and pretty much just sent a video out to all of my best friends um, in my sorority in college and no one responded. And I was like, (laughs) thanks, guys. Uh, But I went downstairs and my dad was sitting in my living room and I showed him and he was like, Alex, this is actually a really good idea. And I was like, really? You think so? And he's like, yeah, I think this is actually a solid idea. So I looked into getting a patent um, 
and and entered into the patent experience, which is a whole different topic, um, a whole different world. But it took me about three and a half years to get my patent on Polish Pal. And the reason is because there's there's just the beauty industry is so broad um, that I kept having to reappeal my patent until uh, I was out of college. I was working as the director of operations at a startup. And uh, right before Christmas, I got a phone call from my attorney and he was just like, oh, I have, a, I have an early Christmas present for you. And I said, well, what is it? And he's like, well, um, I think the, the commissioner is going to accept your patent. And I said, well, you think, like, what does that mean? He's like, well, contingent on if we pay the fee. I said, okay, great. Like, I'm already $10,000 deep in this. How much is the fee? He's like, 30 bucks. And I was like, well, why would I not pay? <laughs> so that's how I ended up getting my patent um, and started going pretty heads down on just building out this product. But I, I didn't know anything at the time. I I didn't really know anyone that had made a product before. I didn't know anyone in, in physical product development. I didn't know anyone in beauty. Um, and I just started asking a lot of people questions. It, it just so happened that one of my roommates in college and one of my best friends, her dad was like a hobby inventor, like one of the smartest people I'd ever met in my life. Mm. And uh, his kids had all gone into like music or art. And he took me on as pretty much like his entrepreneurial child. Like he just loved the <laughs> fact that I was like this, like trying to build stuff and that he could help me. And he became one of my very influential mentors and helped kind of coach me through this process of, of building out a product and getting it from ideation through. Um, and, and feel free to stop me, ask questions. I know I'm kind of just rambling on here. No, you're totally good. I love the word the word ideation that you use because IDA stands for ideate, decide, act. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but keep going, please. Um, yeah. So I started developing this product, started, uh, found a third party manufacturer that went in between the US and China, learned a lot about um, polyastomer and different shore levels. And if you don't know what that means, shore is the hardness of different materials. So that's what goes into like the, the product development aspect of everything that you pretty much see on the market. Um, and uh, got a mold done in China and started pretty much just trying to sell the product. I, I tried selling it when I had just this prototype and, and it was this 3D printed prototype, it cost me like $300 to make. So it was the first Polish pile cost $300. And um, I went with my best friend, Claire, to Cosmoprof, which is the biggest beauty convention uh, in North America. And, and we ended up walking up to almost every single booth. So we were walking up to like OPI and SE and these like billion dollar brands and just pitching them on the spot hoping oh, wow. that, hoping that one of us <laughs> hoping that one of them would be like oh this is great oh we love you guys and you know we did that uh it was so funny because actually I was too afraid to do it it was it was Claire Claire and I have been best friends since we were in fifth grade I I paid for her flight out there and her food but I didn't pay her to come with me because I couldn't afford to and um, she was the one that started just going up. She goes, it's not that hard. We came here to do something. We're going to do it. And started pitching the product. And so then eventually we were both pitching it. And we would go back every hour, pretty much on the hour to the booths that would turn us away until we either got 
a phone number, a card or a contact or just someone to meet with us. And I remember we walked up to um, this one booth and we were just begging people for meetings. And uh, and I, I don't think I'm allowed to like say what the, the name of it is. I don't know if I- You're good. But it's, uh, it's this company, it's, it's the umbrella company of a ton of other major multi-million dollar brands. And, uh, and <laughs> went to them and I said, like, Hey, I have this really cool product and I, I really just want to talk to someone. And, uh, it just so happens. I said that to the, the assistant of the vice president of this company. Oh, wow. And the woman comes out and she goes, okay, I'll, I'll give you guys 10, 15 minutes. And they take us to this back room and we're sitting there and I start telling them all about Polish Pound, about this product and, and all stuff like that. And she just looks at me and she goes, she points at Claire and she goes, what is she doing here? And I go, oh, Claire's my, Claire's my best friend since we were in fifth grade. I couldn't afford to bring anyone else. So I brought her. She goes, ah, interesting. She goes, well, <laughs> I don't like the product. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, but I like you. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And um, she started asking me all these questions uh, about, you know, how much each one was going to take me to manufacture um, how much I was planning on selling it for, what my marketing is, what my landing thing, pretty much everything that I had no idea. Like I, I had zero answers to any of these questions. And by the end of that, she pretty much just looked at me and she was like, yeah, um, I like you. I don't really like the product. I think it's too replicatable. Uh, but if you ever want any free advice, call me and gave me her card. And wow. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like we ended up leaving this weekend and getting, you know, we had a bunch of cards. We had that experience, but what we really ended up leaving with was just like the knowledge of, of semi what to do next or push in the right direction. So, um, from, from, uh, that woman, we ended up learning, or I ended up learning about this show, um, out in Florida and it was a trade show called ECRM and it's a buyer's trade show. So I flew out to Florida like a, probably a few months after this and ended up pitching 60 different buyers from all different retail stores over the course of two days. And um, by the end of it, I ended up winning the Buyer's Choice Award, which was like huge to me. It was like, here I was. Oh my gosh, congrats. Okay. <laughs> not Not knowing what I was doing, um, but but really just trying to like make something happen. And the way that the booths were set up is right next to me. Um, I was in the new, the new sellers hall and they had these tables and uh, right next to me was this older gentleman and he had these really cute nail polish products that had flowers in it. And it's called blossom. You've probably seen it at urban outfitters or um, forever 21 or a ton of other retail stores, but it's this like nail polish remover and this nail polish that has these really beautiful flowers inside of it. And I remember just thinking about how disconnected this brand felt that this like 60 year old man was sitting here running <laughs> this really cute brand. So and, true. I <laughs> and I walked up to him and I saw that his name was uh, Mark Friedman. And I said, Friedman, like, are we, and I, I looked at him, I held up my name tag. I go, Friedman, are, are we secretly related? He goes, uh, what did he say? He said, Ukrainian Jew? And I said, no, Russian Jew. And he goes, ah, probably not then. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> it, 
it started this really funny, unlikely friendship between me and this guy named Mark, who uh, turns out his family was the number one manufacturer of nail polish. And, um, and we had some really weird parallels in our lives, like his, uh, not to get too personal, because I don't want to release too, inf too much information about Mark, but we had some really weird parallels. Um, whereas I was able to kind of comfort him through a, a few different things that he was experiencing with his kids, because they related to me and, and my parents. And it was, it was really interesting. And by the end of the show, he pretty much was like, Alex, I'm too tired to be your mentor. I like you, but I'm too tired. Um, but what I can do is introduce you to my, my lead salesperson. And I said, okay, that, that'd be amazing. And ended up introducing me to his lead sales, um, his, his lead salesperson who, uh, pretty much was in charge of getting their product into all these national retailers and, and met with her. She was in downtown LA and, and started going up to her office. And she was like, well, yeah, I can help you get this in the retail stores and started helping me bring it to Forever 21 and Urban Outfitters and Bed Bath and & Beyond. And uh, I'll never forget that I was driving home and I was with Claire, of course, and um, I got a phone call from Shauna and she said, so I just got off the phone with Forever 21 and they want to put it in order. And I was oh like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, what? wait, what? <laughs> like <laughs> Forever 21, Forever 21 or like different, like off, off brand. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, Forever 21. I was like, oh, cool. Um, so that was the first vendor agreement that I ever got was with Forever 21. And and so I went through this process of just kind of pushing out this product and uh, trying to get into stores. And then one day I was uh, about to see a movie and I got a text from one of my other good friends. And it was a screenshot of a product that looked exactly like mine. And it was a Facebook ad. And... She was like, is this you? And I was like, no. And I, I, I called my attorney and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, here, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But I found out that essentially what happened is an American company ripped off the product. Um, and I, I reached out to them and, you know, sent them a cease and desist at all these things that that I thought I was supposed to do. And their response to me was like, hey, we know you're you're 24. If you have 150 grand to fight us, go ahead and do it. Oh, and, wow. And I like to tell you I was devastated <laughs> is yeah. like the understatement. To me, it was this whole idea that like once you get a patent, like that's yours, right? Like, oh, I just spent $15,000 to get this. Um no, just kidding. Like actually what ends up happening with patents is uh, you can get the patent, but it's also up to you to defend your patent. Oh. Um, obviously being so young, I didn't, I didn't realize that at the time. Um, so I found out this American company ripped off the product, uh, ended up in this, you know, few months back and forth with them where I realized that I just, I, I didn't really have enough money and legs to fight them on it. Um, but then uh, what ended up happening is they didn't protect themselves enough and Chinese manufacturers started ripping them off. So overseas manufacturers. Um, and so they started flooding this market with, with all of them on like Alibaba and AliExpress. And you could end up buying two of these for a dollar. 
And I remember I was trying to get a hold of one of my buyers because people just started ghosting me. Like all these, all these buyers of these major retailers started ghosting me. Mm-hmm. And I finally got a hold of one of them. And she goes, Alex, like I literally was at a beauty show last week and they had a bucket of these that they were handing out for free. And it was like in that moment that I kind of realized like I couldn't do anything. It was like either yeah. I I continued on this path of just sinking money that I didn't have into something or I moved on. And ultimately it took me a few months, but I had to move on. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's devastating. Is that oh. I, in retrospect, it was at the time. But what I really learned from it is like, you can't associate your being with Mm -hmm. a product or with a business. It is not, it's just not healthy, right? Like you could be super passionate about something, but as soon as it becomes your identity, it has the potential to also like rip apart that. Like for me, as I mentioned, like I was never good in school. I never really like was known for that kind of stuff. So to then be the person in college who had a patent and had all these cool things going for them that that kind of got ripped away it made me realize like how fragile the things that I like relied on as my self-identity were does that make sense (laughs) yeah definitely and you know I think a lot of people can relate to that you know you hear stories and you never realize that that could actually happen to you but I mean once someone realizes that's a good product something like this happening is a is a very high chance unfortunate but it can happen totally and and that's kind of the thing is like I mean now I work with hundreds and I I don't get me wrong I love passion I love passionate entrepreneurs I think you have to be passionate you have to be a little crazy (laughs) to want to start (laughs) a business um but but Tying your failures in with yourself or tying your successes in with yourself just isn't, it's just not healthy. Um, it's, it's, I've learned to separate those two things to say like, okay, this is Alex as a being, and this is what Alex's accomplishments and failures look like. And just because I have failed in some respects doesn't make me a failure. And I say that a lot to people that I work with now that like, I don't believe you can fail because you're not a failure. And I think you can have failures, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you are one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's really important to like, kind of disconnect your identity from that. And then I like how you knew when to put it down. Cause when your identity is so connected to it, it's really hard to say that you have to put it down because putting it down feels like you're quitting on like everything that you stand for, you know, and not just the business. Yeah. And then don't get me wrong. Uh, like I can, uh, <laughs> I, I probably made it sound like it, it took me not a long time to put it down. It took me a long time. I mean, all, it's all, I'm, I'm 28 now, but it took me probably a year to get over and, and really like be honest with myself and say like, this isn't, this isn't going to get resolved. And I held on to a lot of anger for a while towards the people that stole it, um, the couple that, that stole it, and towards just even myself for feeling like I wasn't being proactive enough or I wasn't trying hard enough and that's why I got stolen. And, and kind of allowing myself to say like, no, it was, it was the first idea of many. It was the first one. And like 
take it as a learning experience to just get you even closer to the final goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that because of that experience, you're now helping so many people, you know, realize that that they're apart from their idea and, you know, they can always pivot and start again and do something else. Oh, for sure. And yeah, and that's a big impact. Um, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was talking to someone about it. It's like, I feel like if you're in your 20s and 30s and not reinventing yourself like every three months, then you're doing <laughs> yourself like a major disservice. Because <laughs> This is the time where like if we're going to mess up and if you're going to do things and like try new things, just do it. Like, yeah, like throw the fear out the window. Just go. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like that's really powerful. Like everything runs. It kind of it sounds like an arduous process, you know, like the road is very long, but absolutely because the decisions you make right now and the legacy that you create for yourself can you know last your entire lifetime I think um so I'm interested to know like after you know the whole year where you were wrestling with this decision of giving up on Polish Pal you know like recognizing that it's people keep ripping you off of it how did you transition from that into where you are right now like Danica mentioned helping so many startups with Techstars right uh for listeners who are not familiar Techstars is one of the most reputable accelerators in the world and the most selective and Alex is a program manager for the Austin one so I'm really interested to hear how you ended up there yeah um so after Polish Pal I ended up moving up to LA and I got the opportunity for for what I thought was going to be my dream job it was uh, being in charge of brand development and new business development for uh this it was like a millennial incubator, product incubator. Um, the CEO was someone that I knew from college and and honestly, still to this day, one of the most tenacious CEOs I've ever met. Like very, very driven, um, almost to a neurotic sense, right? And also very difficult to work with. Um, so I, I joined this startup. He interviewed me for 15 minutes, offered me the job. To me, it felt like almost like a saving grace. And I went up, I moved up to LA within a week, and I realized very quickly that the environment that was there was not going to be conducive to me or my mental health or my growth. It was, you know, a, a 50 person startup that had just grown within the last six months. It was a badge of honor if you'd worked there for more than a month. Um, Everyone that worked there was either a family member of the CEO or a friend of the CEO or a friend of his girlfriend that also worked there. And it was just very, uh, it was, it was difficult (laughs) to say the least. There was a lot of things that I I didn't agree with, I think is what it kind of comes down to. There was a lot of moral things I didn't agree with. There was a lot of business practices I didn't agree with. Um, and, uh, I stayed there for, uh, a few months and I got put in charge at first. I was told that I want, or at first I was told that they wanted me to build out one brand a month. And then it turned into the first six weeks I was there. I had to build out three brands. And if you know anything about product and brand development, that's not easy. Uh, it's actually very difficult. 
And I'm a pretty natural perfectionist. So everything about what I do, I feel like actually has to be done really well. It means it has to be tested. It has to be vetted. It can't just be put out there. And, um, and that's, that's a lot of where we kind of differed. And I flew out to Bentonville, Arkansas to pitch the brands to Walmart. And all three of them ended up getting picked up for either half store sets or a full store set. So if you also don't know what that means, it means that 3,000 stores are going to be carrying your product. Oh, wow. And <laughs> in, in what should have been a really exciting moment, I ended up going back to my hotel room and just crying and being like, why am I working here for these people that I don't even like? Like, I am just not happy. It's uh, So I flew back. I wrapped up my brands and within a week of being back, I, I quit. And the same week I quit, one of my good friends uh, worked as an associate over at Techstars Music. And she said, hey, um, I don't know what you're doing on Thursday, but do you want to come volunteer at Techstars Music Demo Day? And I was like, oh, sure. I have, I have nothing better to do. And at, at this point, at this point, I didn't really know, honestly, about Techstars. I knew about Y Combinator. I knew about I knew about the world-ish of accelerators, but it felt so outside of my reach that, like, to me, it was like, well, well I don't even really know what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went, I volunteered, and I'm not even kidding you when I say I was sitting in this room watching these pitches, and it just felt like electric. Like I would get chills when people would walk on stage because there was just something about like the passion of people building out something and and pursuing their dreams and building new things that don't exist in this world just felt so cool to me. Um, Techstars Music, their demo day when it was in person, it was like beautiful too. It's at the New A House in Hollywood and and they invite a bunch of, a bunch of top people in the music industry and it's really like exclusive amazing event and in that moment I kind of started thinking like how do I get involved in this like this is amazing and uh, I ended up meeting the program manager at the time for Techstars Music and the other people in charge while I was there and my friend that introduced me was also like I think you guys should hire on Alex as an associate for your next program so um, I spent the next few months kind of just consulting on a, on product development and doing a few other side jobs, but nothing really big. And I got the call from Sam, the program manager for Techstars Music, and she asked me to come in and interview. And I went in for an interview. And it's funny because uh, my friend that was the associate before me, she was like, well, what are you going to wear to the interview? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like a button down and whatever. She's like, don't wear a T-shirt and jeans. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, wear a t-shirt in jeans, trust me. <laughs> and um, and when I showed up, I think Sam was wearing a sweatshirt and, and leggings. She interviewed me in a sweatshirt and leggings. And I was like, oh, this is why she told me to wear t-shirts and, and, and jeans. <laughs> um, and Sam ended up hiring me on as the lead operations associate for Techstars Music uh, for the, their upcoming program. And this was Techstars Music. 2019, I think it was. Was it 2019 or 2018? I don't even know. My my years are all meshed together at this point. <laughs> um, 
And so I ran through a program with Techstars Music, and it was just amazing. It was incredible. I mean, the the managing director over there, Bob and Jen, and and everyone on that team is incredible. They're all still over there. Sam um, has moved on from the role, and they have a new program manager who's also incredible over there. And um, it was like probably one of the best three months of my life, just just getting to work with startups and and mentors and investors and learning more about investing in the music industry and, and all these different tools that I could walk away with. And at the end of my time, uh, I think it was my last week of program, I ended up cold emailing Amos Schwartzfarb, who is the managing director for Techstars Austin. And I think my email was like, hey, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm the lead ops associate for Techstars Music. My background's in CPG products. Uh, I might want to move to Austin one day. Could you connect me with a few people in the network? And uh, Amos didn't reply to me for a few days. And I finally got uh, a reply back and he said, sure, be more than happy to. Um, Also, we might be hiring. And I was like, oh. And, you know, that same day, I brought up to Sam and to Bob that Amos, Amos had emailed me back and said that they might be hiring. And they said, oh, we know. So what do you mean you guys know? They're like, oh, yeah, no, he already called us and asked us all about you before he even replied. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, so that explains why he took a few days to get back to me. Um so uh, I ended up hopping on a 15-minute call with Amos, and we just clicked. We just got along really well, and he said, hey, I want you to meet my associate, Zoe. So Zoe was the managing director for the Techstars Impact program, and okay. um, I actually used to run both the Techstars Impact program and the Techstars Austin program. Uh, Techstars Impact has since left, but they were both based out of Austin and both ran out of the same office. So they had me actually on both of the programs. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up meeting Zoe. We got along super well. And then I met Trevor, who's, who was pretty much my partner in crime at Impact and Austin. And we got along super well too. And then I, and then I got the phone call that I was hired on and they wanted me to start within like a month. So I pretty much packed up all my stuff and moved to Austin and was still living out of a suitcase my first few weeks of program, my first program that I ever actually ran myself for Techstars Impact. And uh, it was it was a crazy, crazy experience, like brand new to Austin, living out of Airbnbs, also trying to onboard these 10 different startups that I'd, I'd never met before, but it was looking back on it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. That's amazing. I love how these moments like connected you towards this new path, like, you know, very serendipitous, you know, um, like just being invited to that event with your friend and then um, the reputation that you've built up for yourself, I think in the music program really paid off um, that, Amos contacted everyone to find out about you. Oh yeah, that, that was the. I still, I still like laugh with him to this day about that because I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super cool though. You know, you went from being an entrepreneur to now helping them, and if I'm correct, you're right now working on your own company, right? 
I am. So um, my day job is still the program manager for Techstars Austin. My night job is the CEO and founder of Talk Howdy. So Talk Howdy is a platform for peer-led small group video chats. So imagine AA-style meetings for every topic that you could imagine. And when I say AA, I really mean like more of peer-led where it's not a top-down structure where it's like a webinar and someone's talking at you. It's really meant to facilitate a really fruitful conversation amongst people. And the whole hypothesis here is if you have a rare medical disorder or if you have something else that you're dealing with in your life or if you're a parent of a, a kid with autism, if you're, if you're a small business entrepreneur, if you're a CEO of a startup, the likelihood of having someone in your immediate circle or your support mm-hmm. that is experiencing the same thing as you is probably pretty small. But that doesn't mean that there aren't thousands or hundreds of thousands of people all over the country experiencing the same exact thing as you. So how can we give people a way to connect to one another and, and hopefully eventually become friends and, and make this reoccurring and, and something that they get to look forward to on a weekly basis? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really powerful and important, especially because with Ida, uh, we're trying to do that with like female founders, like like how I said, we're hosting this podcast to inspire female founders, right? And the connection aspect is so important because like you said, a lot of people don't understand that. Like, even when you were in college, you were the only one in your social network starting a company, right? And having that patent and you, nobody else can understand the struggles of getting that into the market and the struggle of losing it too. Oh, totally. I I didn't know a single person that had ever done anything like what I was trying to do. And the only reason why I did is because like you mentioned before, is I got lucky. I got really lucky a lot of times. I mean, it helped that I was like a nice person and I genuinely <laughs> like and care about people. <laughs> but like a lot of the time I did just get lucky and I put myself or had to try to put myself in positions to meet people. And um, I feel like there's such a broad scope of people that this can genuinely help, not just entrepreneurs, but I mean, in, in Techstars, a big part of our framework is making sure that our entrepreneurs and our our founders going through our program are connected to one another. Um, We have a big outside network. We have a way for our founders and mentors to connect on a global scale. So from every program, but we also have in program like Slack channels, like CEO Slack channels and CTO Slack channels for the CEOs, the 10 CEOs that are going through our program to all chat and vent to one another. Mm -hmm. So looking at that framework, it's kind of easy to say, well, like, why wouldn't thousands or, or, or other people all over the country want the same thing? But on every topic that you could imagine, from muscle cars to entrepreneurship to I need a support group because I have this disorder or I'm a single parent and I'm trying to navigate co-parenting to everything else. Yeah, I totally absolutely. Agree. And I feel like with... COVID and everything that's going on this is probably what people need right like you're just stuck at your house all the time there's no way we can go to networking events no way you could just stop by a friend's house you know without wearing a mask Um, so I feel like this is a perfect timing too yeah I mean 
And it's not only about COVID. What we've kind of realized, so the motto, yeah. the motto for Talk Howdy is um, come as you are and pay what you please. So every meeting is donation-based. We'll never have a forced cost to any of our meetings because we want to keep the barrier to human connection and mental health support and uh, organic uh, friendship in a way or like, like easy. The thing is, um, to go to a meetup, you have to be an extrovert. You have to have gas money. You have to have a car. To go to therapy, you need money. You need a car. There are these barriers to entry for people all over the world that we don't think about because maybe they don't affect us. Like me, I'm able-bodied. Um, I have disposable income. I have a car, but still trying to get to therapy and trying to get to things that I enjoy can be difficult for me, but I could only imagine what that's like for someone with kids or someone who doesn't have disposable income or someone who has to take the bus everywhere. And so why, why as a society, can't we do all these things and help people connect all online, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's actually, um, actually, uh, like real, not just, yeah. oh, I'm going to type something, I'm going to chat, um, or or I'm just going to have one-way communication as I post a picture of myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think I totally understand that because I Uber everywhere. So I'm actually on your website right now. It looks awesome. And I see that you're doing a beta release. So um, you guys can head to try.talkhowdy.com to check out what Alex is talking about. Ah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And as we, you know, wrap up and stuff, I had one really important question I wanted to ask you. I think because of your experience as a multiple, you know, time entrepreneur and the program manager for these various tech stars programs, you've been exposed to entrepreneurship so much in just such a short period of time that I think you probably have some really great tips to share with other founders. And like I mentioned before, IDA stands for Ideate, Decide, Act. So we're trying to give people actionable tips that they can take away from a podcast episode you know, the quick takeaways or something that they can implement. So if you had something like that to share, what would it be? For sure. Oh my gosh. Put yourself out there. I like, and that doesn't mean like you have to be Twitter famous or LinkedIn famous or something that makes you uncomfortable. Just message people, start emailing people, start going through lists and and seeing who you can contact and be intellectually honest about what you need from them. Just saying, hey, I I saw that you're an expert in X, Y, and Z. I have a question about X, Y, and Z. Do you mind if we hop on a 15-minute phone call so I can kind of hear your thoughts? And if you do that, if you do that to five people a day, I can almost guarantee you'll get at least one of them to answer you every day. And every step, like I, I've been having a lot of conversations with people about this stuff is like micro steps, right? Like micro movements. Um, if you can force yourself to do a micro movement every day in the right direction in a month from now, in a year from now, you'll be able to look back and be like, holy crap, how did I get so far? I didn't even feel like I did anything. And that to me is growth. And that to me is like how to really move forward. You don't need to be like pushing the pavement every single day. You just need to make sure that you're doing one thing every single day that's meaningful and it'll get you in the right direction. That's a great tip. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of micro movements. Yeah. I love I love micro <laughs> I do I I talk a lot about this to my associates that go through my program. Um as a lot of it's a lot of people that are kind of in this 
transitional phase in their career. And that's what I tell all of them. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to change the world in one day, but if you're doing something every day that gets you a little closer to it, then like, hell yeah. (laughs) For sure. And then the same thing, like we kind of tell our, um, our listeners and stuff all the time is to like, you know, do, do something. You don't have to do everything at once, but you said it so beautifully, you know, it's, you know, five people every day and it adds up that takes you a long way within a year. I mean, look at, look at this conversation. We, if you didn't reach out to me on LinkedIn, we would have never had this conversation, right? That's true. Like I would have never known that this existed. I, I like all of this, it's not really serendipitous. It is in a weird way, right? But like, not really, it's happening Mm -hmm. because you made it happen. And the way that you made it happen was the super casual message to me. And the worst thing I could have said is no. So the worst thing that could have happened, which would have landed you exactly where you started anyway. <laughs> That's a really great point, actually. I think so many times we build up like, um, oh my gosh, what will happen? But you'll just, you'll either be better off, but you won't be worse off. You'll just stay neutral, you know? Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. Oh, great. My life doesn't change. I love my life as is, but if it gets a little better, that's cool too. (laughs) That's a great attitude. Like having that grit is also important. If someone says no to like, don't think that's the worst that's going to happen. Like just keep pushing. There's somebody who's going to say yes. And that's the right person for you. Also, don't take it personally. If people say no, it's like, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. Like there are times where I've said no to stuff and it has nothing to do with like me thinking the other person is whatever. It's usually because I'm like, wow, I'm just way too busy. I don't feel confident about myself. I don't want to talk to anyone else today. But like, no's aren't always personal. They're very rarely personal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's really important to not attach yourself to that too. And especially because things like messaging, it's like you don't know the person anyway. So you know, it's not a deep blow to your heart, you know, if they say no. (laughs) (laughs) totally right it's like I feel like we as human nature we want to pretend like oh my god they're saying it directly to me it's like no we're saying it's like an avatar on a screen that doesn't actually exist that's why like online dating and the swiping works because you don't associate it to a real person (laughs) yeah absolutely and talking about that um I know a startup out of Austin Bumble is about to IPO soon which is pretty cool (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah, so I thought that was awesome. Like Austin's definitely a great like startup hub um, and really cool to see the things coming out of it. It really is. Um, and like one thing I'll definitely say is Amos and myself, we always like to offer uh, any guidance to entrepreneurs, like any of your listeners or anyone part of your your group, feel free to pass on my LinkedIn or, or ask people to add me. I always love giving free advice. Obviously take it with a grain of salt. I'm not perfect, but... Um, <laughs> One thing we really do want to do is like foster the ecosystem, not only within Austin, but of entrepreneurs and startups everywhere. And especially in, I, I love female founders. I love working with female founders. I think it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we created Ida. And we'll definitely, you know, make sure to stay in touch. And like listeners, you just heard Alex's gracious offering to give free advice, <laughs> which is awesome because not everyone's willing to do that. So that's great. And it was such a pleasure having you on the show. And just learning more about your journey because just like seeing your LinkedIn like um, and the journey you've been through was really piqued my interest. So thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom today. Of course, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a really fun conversation. I appreciate y'all having me. 
Of course, of course. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, like I said, definitely check out Alex's new company, Talk Howdy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share this with a fellow entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Ida, and you can find us at thinkida.com. Until next time, ideate, decide, act.